1: Touchdown, Raiders! Would you believe it?
0: This is Unnecessary Roughness on Raider Nation Radio 920. Here's your boy, Q.
2: And here we go, kicking off hour number three of the show today on this Friday, heading you into the weekend, and then, of course, training camp gets started next week. The Rookies report on Monday and the Veterans report on Wednesday. Very excited about that. But we've been taking looks around the league uh, all week long, looking at every single team that's on the Raiders 2022 schedule. We've been doing training camp two-a-days, and, well, that's going to continue right now.
0: It's time for another edition of Training Camp Two-A-Days, as your boy Q takes a look at every team on the Raiders' 2022 regular season schedule, here on Unnecessary Roughness on Raider Nation Radio 920.
2: To help us break down the Pittsburgh Steelers is my brother from another mother, Chris Carter, host of Locked On Steelers on Twitter at Carter Critiques. And before we officially jump into the Training Camp Two-A-Days, what is it like around the Steelers right now, knowing it's a new era? I mean... Big Ben's not behind center. He's not coming through those doors anytime soon. What is it like without Big Ben around around the team right now?
1: It's really interesting, Q. There's a lot of changes. Not only is Big Ben gone, but the team's general manager, Kevin Colbert, of the last twenty-one years, retired this year. And he and taking over for him was Omar Khan, who's been in the who's been in the Steelers front office for twenty years. And at the same time, Heinz Field is now called Accra Stadium. It's all the changes, man. Like we, and don't tell Pittsburghers that They are still like, no, it's still Heinz Field does because they love their Heinz ketchup. But it is crazy to see all this change, Q. But I will say this. One of the things that I noticed about Mike Tomlin, is you know Mike Tomlin. He is, about, he is all about football. He's all about leadership. He's all about talking to his players. I think that Ben Roethlisberger was the last player from the Bill Cowher era. Uh. Of the Pittsburgh Steelers that was still on, on his roster. Now, I think that with all these young QBs coming in, there's nobody who can say, "Hey, I, you know, I was here before." Everyone is going to be is going to be locking step with what Tomlin says and does. And I think there's just a huge motivation from everyone to kind of prove this is the Steelers' way. It's not just about Ben Roethlisberger. Uh, they they, and they love Ben Roethlisberger. They're 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 sorry to see him go, but they want to prove like, hey, like the standard is still going to be the standard at the end of the day. And uh, that's why you see Cam Hayward, you know, talking a lot on media, talking about how he made sure Kenny Pickett's locker is right next to his. There's a lot of talk right now about passing on the Steelers' traditions of the past and making sure these young guns that are here for the future understand what it means to be part of the organization.
2: Do you think that this could be the toughest year for Mike Tomlin to continue to do what he does as far as not have a losing losing record?
1: I actually don't think so. I think that that year was 2019 when (laughs) – when he was down to a four-string undrafted rookie in Devlin Hodges, who was only sure. there because Ben Roethlisberger was hurt in the middle of the season, and then Mason Rudolph was knocked out cold, and then uh, they traded away Josh Diles before those two injuries happened, so they were down to just Devlin Hodges. To me, that was the major. One thing I pointed out, everyone was saying, like, oh, man, Mike Tomlin, he's going to have a losing season." You know what his record is without Ben Roethlisberger right now? Hmm. It's 18-15-1. Eight, it's he has played the equivalent of two 17-game seasons and has a winning record without Ben Roethlisberger. And that's always with backups. That's not with having a starter. that they planned way ahead and that they game-planned all summer with and game-planned all week with. That's with Mason Rudolph having seven starts, Byron Leftwich, Charlie Batch, Landry Jones, players that, you're, that your listeners probably are like, ooh, I don't even know those guys. <laughs> Some dude <laughs> named Duck. <laughs> exactly, a dude named Duck. They went 3-3 three three with a guy named Duck who does duck calling now. But, like, that's... That's. I don't think. I, I think that. Like, sure. There's going to be challenges this year, but I think Mike. Mike Tomlin. He runs towards those changes. He's excited about it. it. There's. There's not a fear there. I think there's more of an excitement to like be like. Hey, y'all thought we'd be like four and thirteen or whatever. Now the Steelers are about to go. I, I, I say they have a winning record this year. I say nine, ten, maybe eleven wins.
2: Wow. Let me ask you this before we get into training camp two days. We're going to jump into it just a second. What is it about the Steelers organization that gives them that that steady feeling that okay, everything's going to be all right? Where well, there's no panic.
1: Well, it starts at the top with, with the Roonies, man. You know Art Rooney Art the second. Uh, you know the way that he steadies the organization. They stick to their core values. They stick to their beliefs. I just wrote a big piece on SteelersNow.com is earlier this week where I was debating with one of my colleagues about, you know, the Steelers, they have these certain, these certain principles. And one of their principles is they do not negotiate during the season. And, you know, and, and you know, there's some people saying, oh, they should go away with that. It's like, no, look what happened the last time it's like that, uh, that any negotiations went into the season for the Steelers with Le'Veon Bell when he didn't show up in 2018. And then all of a sudden, you know, he just never showed up at all. And that was a year that they could have either used him or at least Use not use the distraction of him, you know, day to day not showing up, and everyone asking where he was all the time. The Steelers have these belief systems, these core values that they've established over the decades. The same way that, like the Patriots, the Raiders, the Raiders, you know, do with, with with the Davis family and how they've set up things. There are organizations that understand those things, and you know, I, I think they have a good guy steering the ship when it comes to the players and Mike Tomlin. I think he's part of studying it because you know, uh, you know, Bill Cowher, as good of a coach as he was, as great of a coach, he's a Hall of Famer. He had three losing seasons. Mike Tomlin, he didn't have one yet. And that's over 15 years. I think it's a mix of just that, that that structural integrity. They stick to their guns. They stick to their release, And they trust their guys to get the job done. And that Coaching-wise, front office-wise, they usually do.
2: Talking right now with Chris Carter, host of Locked On Steelers. Talking all things Steelers. We're getting into our training camp 2 days here on Unnecessary Roughness. Radio Nation Radio 920, my man DeMond.
3: Hey when it comes to like Mike Tomlin, I was listening to him on the pivot podcast and he was saying a lot of insightful things, but my biggest takeaway was his hiring of Brian Flores. So how has that been received for the Steelers? Oh
1: they love Brian Flores. Uh, if you ask any, not just the linebackers who he's been you know spo- he's kind of like focusing on more, every defender on the field, is getting coaching from him. And every defender's like, this is awesome. This, this is a head coach as a position coach. Like Miles Jack, who's brand new to the Steelers, he's like, this is awesome for me because when, I do a, when, I'm, when I'm running a rep in practice, if I do it kind of right, it's still wrong. I have to do it all the way right all the, every, every single time or I'm messing up. And he's like, I didn't have that in Jacksonville. Like, you know, if I did something okay, it was like, hey, that, that, that was good. That was acceptable. No, it's not acceptable until it's the standard that the Steelers are expecting because that's what's going to get them the victory. That, that, that has bled over into everything. There's guys that call him militaristic or, you know, or, you know they've, call, they've had a whole bunch of different names for what he's been doing here, but it's all a level of respect, understanding, and excitement for what he's bringing as just a simple defensive assistant who's going to be focusing on the linebackers. I really do think that one big aspect of the Steelers is that, that Brian Flores turns around Devin Bush. He had a really rough 2020 one season coming off of his ACL injury. Uh, if he can turn him around and get him and Miles Jack to be a really good pair of linebackers, one, it will really help the Steelers get back to being an elite defense like they were a few years ago. And two, I think it will kind of signal to every organization out there. Okay. Yeah. We, Brian Flores has paid his dues. We're going to, we're going to bring him back into the head, head coaching conversation.
3: All right, Chris, so what's the biggest positive for the Steelers team hitting the training camp?
1: Well, I think it's that they've they've locked down their stars. You know, Cam Hayward you know, has been talking a lot as a defensive tackle up front. They've got TJ Watt locked up as the as the best edge rusher in football, and they they made sure to lock up makeup Fitzpatrick. And those guys set such a strong tone, not just on on the field, but off the field too. The, these guys are young leaders, they're happy to pass the torches to um, and, and kind of say, like, hey, you're going to be the guy's lead. you got the juice now type of situation. <laughs> um, and and I, re- I really think that that's something that Mike Tomlin is very excited about. You know, some people have been saying, oh, maybe this is Mike Tomlin's last year or last year was going to be his last year and all this other stuff. I'm like, man, if, if, if this team stunk and had no talent, Mike Tomlin might have hung it up. He might have said, you know what, I haven't done a good enough job assembling pieces for the future. But they've got a lot of guys in their 20s, really talented, and after I haven't even gone over Najee Harris and Pat Fryer moves and guys that they're really excited about uh, on the offensive side being super young. They're excited about all those guys stepping into these leadership roles, stepping into being playmakers for this team, and also having young quarterbacks who can be mobile again. Ben Roethlisberger hasn't been the mobile quarterback that we used to know as Big Ben since like 2014, I want to say, even maybe 2015. But if you get now Kenny Pickett and or Mitch Trubisky, You know, know, those guys, they're going to move, and that's going to add elements to the Steelers' offense again that they haven't had for so long. I think there's just a lot of excitement for them to be able to do things that people haven't seen the Steelers do for such a long time, and I think that's going to catch a lot of people off
3: guard. Hey, when you said do things that the Steelers haven't done in a long time, the Steelers are known for being a dominant defensive team. So how does this defense look? When you mentioned the stars, that they locked up. It was all guys on the defensive side. So what's the potential for this defense this season? Uh,
1: you know, uh, one thing I've said is they have the potential to be an elite defense. I will not call them an elite defense now because last year they had the worst rushing defense in the NFL. The first time the Steelers have had that have fallen to the last place in the NFL since 1941. But it says something that while doing that, they still led the league in sacks, and the defense carried that team to a winning record and a playoff berth. I think that speaks volumes to what those other guys do, the T.J. Watts, the Licka Fitzpatrick, the Alex Highsmith. Um, all those guys, but if the Steelers, I have two things the Steelers really have to do. One, they got to fix the run defense. If they get that run defense, they don't have to be top five, but, you know, flirt with the top ten, get, get, get into the top 15 in in the league again, and then that pass rush is going to set in, and then your defense is going to be in better situations. But the second thing, they've got to see that continuity at the linebacker position in the middle of the field. I'm very confident they're secondary. They have all veterans there that know what they're doing. Those guys are going to be fine and in place. If the linebackers can get it together and get back to playing at a, at a, at a proficient level, it's going to be the glue that puts this defense together. And I say they will be elite. And that's, I, I have a lot of confidence in that group figuring it out this year, which is why I've been saying 9, 10, 11 wins this season.
3: So what's the biggest negative for the Steelers team as they head into training camp?
1: They have, still have questions on the, on the offensive front. The offensive line and, the, you know, everyone's going to be looking at the quarterback positions. And Mitch Trubisky, does he work out? Kenny Pickett, does he work out? I think either one of those guys would be fine. I still think Mitch Trubisky is the starter to start the season and maybe even the whole season while Kenny Pickett kind of gets used to things. But the biggest question is, is, is the offensive line right now. Mason Cole was brought in at center because Kendrick Green, who was a third-round draft pick that was a guard at Illinois last year, he didn't work out at center last year. They, they're, they're moving him back to guard. To see what he does there, Mason Cole. If you ask, uh, you know our guy Luke from Locked On Vikings, too, he'll tell you Mason Cole wasn't exactly the best center for the Minnesota Vikings. Um, they did get James Daniels. I do think he's going to be a major asset, and I think he'll be the captain of the offensive line and a good player. Um, but you know, how does Dan Moore Jr. do as a, as a second-year fourth-round pick? How does Chikuma Korfor do? I think he's a solid player, but he's not a you know an anchor to an offensive line. If that group comes together and they protect their quarterbacks and keep them upright for promotion most of the games and they're able to give Najee Harris more holes, that takes this team to another level. But that's I think could be the kryptonite that really messes with the Steelers this year and kind of slowing up their rhythm whenever they're picking up momentum.
2: Talking right now with Chris Carter, host of Locked On Steelers here on Unnecessary Roughness, Radio Nation Radio 920. We're going through our training camp two a days. We just got a couple more questions for you. As far as that quarterback position goes, Trubisky and Kenny Pickett, I know the fans don't matter. If you, if you do what the fans want, you're going to be sitting with them. But what is the fan base there with the Steelers? Who do they want behind center?
1: <laughs> if you ask most fans, they're all about Kenny Pickett. They want to see, and part of it is also, you know, the you know, there's still the glowing feeling that a lot of Pittsburgh fans, or Pitt fans that are in the city here, they have from what he did for the Panthers in the ACC last year. I mean, this guy broke Deshaun Watson's touchdown record last year in the ACC. Uh, with what he did. you know, Everyone's going to talk about the fake slide, but it's really what Kenny Pickett did week in and week out, just throwing the ball all over the place no matter who he was facing. He was putting the Panthers in big games with big numbers and everything. That is the guy that everyone's excited to see. Can he replicate that in the NFL? Now, everyone knows it took Kenny Pickett some years to get used to that with, with the with the Panthers. They're expecting that take maybe not as many years, but, you know, some time to adjust to the NFL. Uh, there's a, but, but there's a lot of people in Pittsburgh that want to see him just thrust in right away, like, hey, you know what? When The last time we drafted a quarterback in the first round was Ben Roethlisberger. Guess what? He, he started by his, his third game in, in the NFL. You So just put him in there and just see what happens. The Steelers aren't about that. They're not just going to do that for no reason. They're going to find a way to say, hey, how can we How can we groom this guy properly? Get him ready for the NFL speed. And the best way they thought of was, hey, let's bring in a veteran who was a first-round draft pick who has 50 starts under his belt in Mitch Trubisky. If he beats Mitch Trubisky, great. Then you know what? He's 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 moved up the ladder. But they don't expect. I, I think right now they're expecting him to come in, learn, compete, and Mitch Trubisky will hold it down as the guy that they kind of follow. And then I think by next year or the year after that, that's when you start to see Kenny Pickett take his steps forward.
3: Yeah, Chris. One thing I wanted to ask you about is Najee Harris because during the offseason, there were some claims that he put on a little bit of weight. He had to push back and say, "Yo, he's not that fat." From what you've seen, is Najee Harris bulked up a little bit? Because I was curious about this. Oh, my. let me tell you.
1: First of all, the the claims of him being bulked up that was partially a mistake because officially he's listed like two thirty or something on the uh, on the Steelers roster. But he's—I mean—he told us straight up he's like two, he was two forty-four. To start last season, and 242, but during the season last season, he dropped weight as the season kind of went along. So when he said, all he said was it was during a Steelers radio show, and I was there for this to this day. He went over and like they were guess they were guessing about weight size and stuff, and he was playing a game with these radio guys, and uh, he said I weigh 244, and so someone heard that and tweeted it out, and then someone else said, oh well, he was he weighed 230 last year. Wow, he put on 14 pounds. That's crazy. And it's like no, 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 he, he that was his playing weight last year. And, but if you do see Najee Harris, my gosh, this man is cut. It's not, it's not like he added fat. It's not like he's looking like Eddie Lacy out here. He is huh. cut ridiculously. If you look at his calves, his quads, everything, he's like, he's like a sculpture out there. This guy is all about fitness. If you listen to, listen to Adam Schefter talk to him before the NFL draft last year, you'll know that he wakes up at like 6 a.m. every morning, goes to the gym, does his own session. Then goes to whatever team session or thing other thing he has to do. But he has he's a workout demon, and he's been he's been pulling that up. And you saw that in camp. And we, we saw that in camp. He was flying all over the place. Looked. I mean, he, and he does look big in the sense that like he's got his muscles are just really toned. But he's also lightning quick right now. That's why I'm, I'm telling you. I was telling you, Q, on our on the Locked On NFL podcast for today. I really think he's going to creep up into that top five and maybe even top three running back conversation by the end of this season.
3: Yeah, Chris, Chase Claypool, he made some headlines when he said he's a top three receiver in the NFL, and I don't got a problem with anybody saying that because you got to believe in yourself. But what's this Steeler receiving room looking like?
1: So Deontay Johnson is still the number one in my book. I, you know, this guy gets great separation. He finished in the top ten in receiving yards, top six in um, and top six in first downs by receptions of, uh, when it comes to wide receivers. He, he's a playmaker, and he did that all while Ben Roethlisberger was on his last legs of his career, couldn't really get the ball downfield. We have not really gotten the chance to see Deontay Johnson work as a deep threat in the NFL. He's all, a lot of his catches have been short slants, quick under, you know, drag routes underneath stuff that's easy for Ben Roethlisberger to target. I'm intrigued to see how he does with a younger quarterback who can get the ball 20, 30, 40 yards downfield and give him more of those chances. I think he could put himself into that top ten conversation if he delivers there. But Chase Claypool, I'll tell you this, it's real funny. When he said that on the podcast, I literally interviewed him the week before uh, in the Steelers' locker room, and the Steelers recorded it and put it up on their website where he said, "Hey, I want to be top three. He, and, and, and he, so it, when people, was, I think they took that one quote and spun it out of proportion. But he, he, knows that right now, if he listed himself as top three, that he'd be the only person that would agree with that would agree with him. But I, I think what was happening was you know, he was sitting there with, with Brandon Marshall and LaShawn McCoy and all those guys. And they were egging him on. He was, and they were like, "Oh, you guys, you got to say, you got to believe it, young buck." And so he he kind of said it there. But he's always said, "Hey, like I want to, I want to be in the top three. I want to make it to the top three. So he has that belief system. But I'll tell you what, Chase Claypool, as much as his improvements might be, watch out for George Pickens. If you're a fantasy owner out there and you want to get a stud wide receiver, man. This George Pickens kid looks legit. He goes up and gets the football. He's quick off the ball, quick in his routes, extremely fast, long, catches with his hands. This guy seems to have it all. He may be the next star receiver for the Pittsburgh Steelers. And I think that's why everyone's excited is that you got really talented guys, and you still got Calvin Austin, a guy who ran a 4-3 in his 40-yard dash and is extremely quick in his routes. They've got a lot of weapons. I think Deontay Johnson's the number one this year, but I wouldn't be surprised if George Pickens starts creeping up and starts getting getting more headlines by the end of the season and maybe in a year or two, everyone's saying, oh, yeah, he he's one of the best receivers in the NFL or something like that.
2: Chris, before we let you go, and this has been great, man, I want to ask, is there a player that you have on your radar that we might not be talking about, but you think, hey, once training camp gets wrapped up, once preseason gets wrapped up, he's going to be on a lot of folks' radar has a chance to be special? Is there anyone that you're looking at?
1: Looking at Alex Highsmith, uh, defensive end slash edge rusher. He's more of a, he's an outside linebacker, officially. But he's the guy that plays opposite of T.J. Watt. This man had seven sacks last year in his second year in the NFL. Mm. He's figuring things out. And I'll tell you one thing that's crazy. He is all over T.J. Watt-like glue. Every time that there's a break and like, they do a team, like special team stuff, when there's a group working and most people are resting, those two go off by themselves, and they get into like these kung fu hand fighting battles where they're like <laughs> trying to fight for position, and and like you just see them going at it and just doing this stuff. And I walk by and I'm like, "Hey, they Alex," and they're like, "And, and they like, okay, cool, we're doing this. Leave us alone." And they're just going at it. And then you know, and even this this past month. Alex Highsmith got married in like the first the first week of July. T.J. Watch well, just got married last week. I'm like, so wait a minute, y'all always spend all this time together. Then y'all get married. to y'all see y'all wives in the same month. What don't y'all do together? <laughs> in all seriousness, it, 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 it's crazy. But in all seriousness, Alex Highsmith has been growing steadily, playing well, being a smart player. He, he, he is a, he's a very coachable player. He listens to what he's being taught. I think that this could be a year that he approaches the uh, he, he's in the double-digit sack consideration and everyone's looking at him and T.J. Watt as the best edge-rushing duo in the NFL.
2: Boom, there it is right there. Hey, great stuff, Chris, as always, my man. Locked on Steelers. I know you do a lot of other work, man. Let us know uh, everything that you got going on and what you got coming up that we should be on the lookout for.
1: You can follow me at Carter Critiques on Twitter and Instagram. I do the Locked on Steelers podcast, Apple, Spotify, Google podcast, the YouTube, but I also write for Steelersnow.com. Check out a lot of the stuff we did. I just did a, a big film study on how Pat Friermuth could be get a lot more numbers this year. If you're a fantasy owner and you want to understand what's going on with him, a lot of it is the depth of his targets. Go to check out SteelersNow.com. It's a free website. You can look up my latest Carter's Classroom where I break down the film on, on Pat Friermuth and explain why he could have an ascending year as well.
2: Boom. There it is. Well, Chris, thanks so much, my man. It's always great to catch up with you multiple times today. Have a great weekend. We'll, we'll talk soon. You too, Q. All right, brother. There he goes. Chris Carter, host of Locked On Steelers, does a fantastic job covering the Pittsburgh Steelers. And uh, when we went to Pittsburgh for uh, the game last year, when I went to Pittsburgh, uh, hung out with Chris for a little while. He's, like I said, a really good dude. Showed me around the city and everything. And uh, I took over his city. You know, I'm just saying. I took over his city. Oh, Wow. <laughs> King of Pittsburgh, huh? Yeah, hey, man, I, be, I became the King of Pittsburgh. No, no, he's a good dude, man. He's a good dude. He, uh, he, he's, he's, he's super cool. So, uh, yeah, it's always great to be able to catch up with Chris a little bit. 2.23 is the time. That is another training camp Two a day. We have one more coming up. We're supposed to be at 3 o'clock with Jose Sanchez, all 49ers SI. I'm going to have to move him a little bit. I just got word that Richie Incognito. Retired now. Richie Incognito is going to join the show at 3 o'clock to talk about his retirement. So uh, the powers that be and blessed bless us. So Richie Incognito is going to join the show at 3. We'll move Jose Sanchez back to about 315, 320. But we're going to keep the party rolling. That's what we do. This is Raider Nation Radio 920.
0: That was another edition of Training Camp Two-A-Days on Raider Nation Radio 920. Welcome back to Unnecessary Roughness. Here's your boy, Q.
2: Two twenty-eighths the time. Many thanks to Chris Carter from Locked On Steelers that just joined us to break down the Steelers and continue with our training camp 2 days as they roll on. I got a text on the Ash text line at 69187 keyword RR So basically the Steelers are going undefeated with the best passing game and running game in the league. while leading the NFL in sacks. <laughs> yeah. Apparently. No, nah, I mean, hey, you know every fan base feels good about the team uh, heading into training camp, but uh, you know, Chris is there. He's there every day, and he sees uh, he sees what he sees. And you know, of course, everyone believes that the team could be great. You know, hell, I see what I see with the Raiders and think they have a potential to be great. So there's people that have me on sometimes, like, oh yeah, he's way too positive, way too positive. This is the time to be positive, man. It's July 15th.
3: Yeah, nobody's played a game yet. You don't know.
2: Nobody's been in training camp yet. Now, I don't think they're going to go undefeated. I'm sure they're not going to lead the league in passing. Who knows who the who the hell their quarterback's going to be? Running game, I do like Najee Harris. I like him a lot. And, you know, TJ Watt is, he's special. He's special. He could have been a Raider. I go back to that all the time. I hate to get on that Gary Conley conversation because we all know how that goes, but you want to find something to get mad about and call the station and get upset about, let's get upset about Gary Conley. (laughs) That's that's someone that gets me excited in in a bad way, gets me fired up in a bad way. Let's go out to the Raider Nation listener line at 702-365-9200. Let's talk to our guy, ABA Ivan Davis. Welcome to the show, my man.
4: Hey, thanks for taking my call. Um if I came out there on the ninth, anyway that uh I can get a picture with you or something? On the that's ninth my birthday.
2: Yeah, that's cool. Yeah. I don't know where I'm gonna be at on the ninth but sure.
4: All right. <laughs> uh man, if Naj- if that's true what he says about Najee Harris, that he that that he he's a beast, he's he might be a problem, but I think that's all Pittsburgh has to uh has to go with them at some point in time. And he, uh, my man's going to have to pay the piper and get that losing record. Right. Okay. And so, uh, you know, hopefully, I, I really don't care. I just don't want them to be against us. <laughs> right, right, <laughs> right. Against us. No doubt. Because that's the, uh, what you call it, game, right? The, uh, the Franco Harris. Yep.
2: Yeah, the anniversary yeah, game. Yep. It, mm-hmm.
4: if, man, if I was a Raiders coach, I'd be like, man, I don't care if we lose every single game just make sure that there's two games you don't lose when the 49ers come to town <laughs> and that one
2: right yeah that was gonna be oh, a tough one you- man that was gonna be a tough one i remember last year going to going out there to see that game and it was it was uh steeler fans were pretty upset when uh they walked out of that stadium with the l so i'd like to see that happen again
4: oh yeah then so uh that's definitely uh that's definitely gonna happen again and i love your guest uh i just listened to the uh the radio show and the guest went 12 and five. And so I can understand where he's coming from. And, but uh, I'm going to save that one for Monday uh, because I, I, I left a comment on the uh, listener line. Uh,
2: oh, okay. Gotcha.
4: So, and, so if you don't put me on the show because I know it's competitive. You got some spectacular callers. So if I'm not chosen to be on your uh, podcast and I'll bring that to the table, what I think about that comment. All right. So anyway, have a good weekend, my man. See you later, my man. Uh, Damon, check you out later, my man. Later.
2: <laughs> there he goes. Uh, ABA Ivan Davis. Thanks for the call, my man. I appreciate you. And yeah, I mean, just hit us up whenever you're in town. Uh, you know, we'll be around somewhere uh, doing what we do. So uh 232 is a time uh, we do. Again, we've been uh, informed that we're going to have Richie incognito join the show at three o'clock. So I'm going to hit up Jose Sanchez and try to move him back a little bit. As we have a training camp two a day, we have one more to close out and that is with the 49ers. So uh, what I'm going to do is I'm going to take a quick break, hit him up. We may come back with them or we may, we may push him back a little bit after 3 o'clock. But uh, we'll take a quick break. We'll reset.
0: Come back. This is Radio Nation Radio 920. Welcome back to Unnecessary Roughness. Here's your boy, Q.
2: All right, coming up at 3 o'clock, we're scheduled to have Richie Incognito just retired from the Silver and Black. Had a little presser over at the Intermountain Healthcare Performance Center, Raiders HQ. He's scheduled to join the show at 3 o'clock. We're going to push Jose Sanchez back to about 315, maybe 320 to get him on for the final training camp two-a-day for the week and the final one for the Raiders schedule, and that is covering the San Francisco 49ers. All week long, we've been going over these, uh, these two-a-days. Um, oh, man, now we just had Jose hit us. <laughs> you want to do Jose right now or you want to go afterwards? What do you mean? If he's ready now, let's get him now. He's ready right now. Go ahead, call him. Okay.
3: Can you send me over his (laughs) number?
2: Yes. We're going to do this live on the air. That's awesome. He just hit me. So uh, this is just kind of what we Okay, Damon, I'm sending this over to you right now. Because what I
3: don't want to do is miss it and then we don't get him in. Right. We didn't finish the training camp. Well, no.
2: And the thing is, what I wanted to do right here, it was going to. I'd rather have more time to do it. So that's okay. We'll wait on that. Uh, We have been doing the, the, going over the top 10 list that have been being put out by ESPN. And offensive line was put out today. Offensive tackles was put out today. And Colton Miller was not on the top 10, but he was part of the. The uh, honorable mention. so he's he still was was mentioned, and I'm sure that if he continues to grow, which I think he will. and, and when I mean grow, I just mean get better, he'll be on that top ten list uh, next year. You know, he'll be in the top ten because at least he is getting noticed around the NFL. And I think a, a lot has to do with the guy who retired today, Richie Incognito, and Richie incognito will join us coming up at three o'clock to talk about retiring and talk about his time with the raiders even though he didn't play a lot of games i still feel like he had a pretty big impact now it's time for us to jump into our training camp two a day it's going to be the final one we have for the week
0: it's time for another edition of training camp two a days as your boy q takes a look at every team on the raiders 2022 regular season schedule here on unnecessary roughness on raider nation radio 920 and to help us talk about the San
2: Francisco 49ers, I got my guy Jose Sanchez. You can find him with all 49ers si on Twitter at jsanchezfn. Sanchez fn. And Jose, thanks so much. Thanks for uh, really juggling your your schedule around for us, man. It's been uh, it's been one of those days, brother, where it's just you know you got to kind of keep your head on a swivel, but that's what we do around here. And before we get into any training camp two days, how exciting is that game going to be on New Year's Day here in Las Vegas? Raiders and 49ers.
5: Uh, like the infamous uh, Bart Scott said with that quote, can't wait, right? <laughs>
0: <laughs> can't wait, right?
5: That's all I going to be on them." You kind of a little bit almost feel like you kind of missed a chance on making that a prime time game considering, you know, like the two fan bases, this, this was like a local rivalry and whatnot, and, you know, the two teams are expected to be in the playoff front. But, man, that's going to be a heck of a game. I think I, I kind of almost wish it was kind of just, you know, just so we can get that out of the way. But at the, at the same time, you know, with that, They kind of hope that both teams will be in that, you know, that playoff hunt. That way both teams will be, you know, fighting to the end, playing at their best. So it breaks the stakes high New Year's Day. I think the one thing that's probably a drawback is, like, New Year's Day, are are people going to be, like, awake, alive from New Year's Eve, you know? (laughs) Right. (laughs) All that parting and stuff like that. So that's, I think, my only drawback is, like, you guys kind of fumbled it because how many people are really going to, you know, want to watch it or be, like, lively? to watch it, but lively might be a different
2: factor. You know, it's so funny that you said that at the at the beginning of the show. I mentioned that I said, "Man, I don't know how many people are going to walk right off the strip and go straight to the stadium, <laughs> right? Not no sleep, no nothing, just straight to the game." Uh, and, and I said, "There's going to be media members that are going to be here that are going to be kind of dragging a little bit as well from the night before." So <laughs> let me ask you, how much partying are you going to get in the night before? <laughs>
5: Not too much, because you know I I'm always out there. Uh, popping in on you once in a while I gotta keep you in check you know I gotta see I gotta see how you're doing out there but no nothing nothing too crazy I think I'll be more like stoked I think if I'm awake I'll be more stoked for that game just because you know I used to cover the Raiders before the Niners and stuff like that I grew up a Raiders fan myself so I mean it's just it's just exciting to see. Just like man, that stadium, I mean, to see that that's gonna be that's gonna be my more draw if anything. Just like the same thing with the draft and the Pro Bowl that happened this year.
2: Right? No, no, you're right about that. Again, we're talking with Jose Sanchez here on Unnecessary Roughness Radio, nine twenty. Uh, how about Jimmy G? Man, is is he getting traded anytime soon, or is he going to be a forty nine er this year?
5: Where is he getting traded to? Subway? I mean, I think that's already the only place he's been traded to at all. But I, I, I don't know where. Where are you going to find a trade partner at this point in time? I, I, I've been saying since the moment, since the moment that first two what two weeks of free agency occurred, where you know quarterbacks were being traded like hotcakes. I mean, if, if no one was getting traded by, if he wasn't traded by then, there was no way he was going to get traded by now. When training camp's literally on our doorstep. I mean, where is that going to? where I was hoping that going a trade partner is going to develop. They're going to, fingers crossed, that someone gets injured. That's kind of a messed up way of thinking. I mean, right. I'm not sure where you're going to really find someone. And then the fact that Baker Mayfield, who was the more attractive quarterback to acquire, the fact that Baker Mayfield got already taken up by the Panthers, and I, I don't see where you're going to go. The only way I could see a possibility of him going anywhere, even this includes him being a free agent, of him going anywhere is if somehow Deshaun Watson gets suspended for the year, or if um, Seattle actually lives up, to I mean, I that's really the only two feasible ones. Other than that, I'm not sure where else you're going to go with them. I think the best, the best, uh, best course of action for the four to take here is ultimately just just cut them. You know, you got Trey Lance. It's time to flip the page.
2: Wow. That's, I mean, that's a big statement. That's a big statement because Trey Lance is unproven so far, but uh, you know, it's, it's, it's going to be interesting. Let me ask you about Debo Samuel before we move on. Uh, is everything good with Debo? I mean, I know he demanded a trade. Uh, I know he hasn't got that big time payday yet. Uh, is, is all good with Debo or is, or is there still a chance that he gets up out of there? there
5: there's no way he's trade traded. I mean, in terms of being all good, I, I, I kind of Seems so, right? Right, he went, right? He showed up to OTAs, you know, what do what they call, like the, uh, the hold-in, you know, instead of a hold-out because you show up, you didn't participate too much. But right. he was digging in there in the playbook. He was there, you know, doing a little light exercise. So the fact that he's there shows he does care. Um, I'm not necessarily even sure his trade, his trade request was 100% like legitimate in terms of I think it was more so he wanted to send a message because Debo last year, as brilliant as he was, as I, I called him a majestic unicorn for how great of his season was last year. Because he did everything for the 49ers. as great as he was, he doesn't like that workload. You know, he one of the requests it was is he wants to take a drawback from that role, if not exclusively to being a wide receiver. So I, I think at that point, you know, he's really the 49ers really have to trust in that. I think the fact that they drafted a running back makes makes that clear that they want to use more of uh, actual running backs, not the wide back. So I think in that sense, you know, until extension is done with, that's the next step. Um, so in terms of being traded, no. I think once the once he once he stayed on the roster, once the draft was over, there, there's no way you can trade him now at this point. If you're going to trade him, it needs to be for a commodity you could have gotten immediately, not someone down the line. So I, I think right now it's i, I say semi good, lukewarm right now.
2: <laughs> Talking all things 49ers right now with Jose Sanchez from All 49ers SI at j Sanchez FN on Twitter. We're doing our training camp two a days. Go ahead, Demond.
3: All right, Jose. So what's the biggest positive for this 49ers team as they go into camp?
5: Biggest positive? Ooh, that's a good one. That's, that's, I think there's a bunch of ways you can kind of. I, I you know, it's kind of hard not to say. Let's say Trey Lance this is the biggest positive. to Be honest. In terms of, it's just exciting. You know, it's you know some of the some of the some of the fans really are just so excited. You know, they kind of see him as such a positive because people want to point so much to Garoppolo's record. He's a winner. He's this. He's that. He's a great leader. Great guy. But ultimately, <laughs> the reason why they lost the playoffs and couldn't really shoulder the shoulder load is because he's an average quarterback at best. Trey Lance, at least, you just don't know what you're going to get with him, and right now you know what you do have with him is he's mobile, he's athletic, he has a brilliant arm, and he actually is an underrated processor in terms of the offense, where Garoppolo kind of that first throw wasn't there, where is he going to go? Is he going to go to your receiver? Or is he going go to it to the defender, which he had a lot of you know, gimme's. We, we call them the Jimmy Gimmies, as my editor, Grant Cohn, calls them. <laughs> so, <I mean>, uh, <laughs> so, I mean, Trey Lance, I think that's the one positive because now you're going to see different type of off- not Not different type, but maybe more attitude to, to offense. A new dynamic, a ceiling that's being raised, and you kind of really want to see if he even just gets you somewhere, just a few steps forward to what Garoppolo did because if he just takes us a few more steps forward than Garoppolo did last year, I think this team is going to be well within a playoff race and maybe even go as far as they did last year.
3: Oh, man, that's that's interesting that you say that Trey Lance is the biggest positive because we just haven't seen him perform on the field yet. So that's going to be interesting to watch. But what's the biggest negative for this 49ers team then?
5: Oh, this is where, this is where it kind of like a dual sword acts out. Um, it's going to be the interior offensive line, in my opinion, because it's that, this is going to be the one drawback to me in terms of how Trey Lance is going to perform because that interior offensive line is very concerning. Um, you lost. You lost uh, the great. well, He wasn't great at this point, but he was still good. And Alex Mack. Um, you lost your starting left guard, Lickett Thomason, who is fairly underrated. Um, and then right guard, John Brunskill. He's been okay, but you, you still got to wonder about him. And then even even after out interior, I'd go as far as even the tackle Michael McGlinchey. He's coming off a torn quad contract year. He's got to perform. So ultimately, everyone outside of Trent Williams, forget the opportunity of offensive line out of the cell. It's pretty much that whole. Offensive line, that's a little bit, you know, a huge eyebrow raiser. Without Alex Mack in the 49 that offensive line has really, really relied upon adequate center play. You know, they can, they can, you know, get over the hump on some hiccups elsewhere, but anytime they've had someone who was just, you know, average or less than average at center, they have really failed miserably. I mean, Ben Garland stepped in great in their Super Bowl year in 2019 after like five games, and then he eventually started getting... You know, started getting exposed, and then 2020 was just miserable because they couldn't find a center. So ultimately, that's my main concern. They're pretty much going with the guy who's unproven, in Jake Brendel, who really hasn't played and has gotten five games to his name. So that's really good. That's really kind of throwing your quarterback in the fire. It's like, hey, your quarterback's going to be learning, and so is pretty much like two out of three of our offensive linemen. So that's pretty rough going, that tough sledding. That'd be the one drawback in terms of how far the 49ers are going to go, how Trey Lance is going to progress, and that's going to be the real idea of Kyle Shanahan, figuring out a way to mask that.
3: All right, Kyle Shanahan, Trey Lance, George Kittle, Debo Samuel. We know the names on offense, but what's this defense looking like for the 49ers?
5: Elite. Easily elite. They're going to be top five at least. Bottom, bottom. They're going to bottom out top ten at the worst. Oh. That's why That's why I'm not too worried about the defense at all. Like every, All eyes are legitimately on offense because that defense is going to be stout again to Demi- me man, this is, the 49ers better enjoy him because he's going to be a head coach after this year. He's just that guy is brilliant. He might even be better than Robert Sala, who was a great defensive coordinator. Just the way they got the talent humming, the way he knows how to draw up his defense in a variety of ways that you know we haven't really seen from the 49ers in recent years. Um, I mean, this is the pass rush, the defensive line. We already know what we're going to get out of their defensive line with Nick Bosa. Eric Armstead, if he stays inside the interior and dominates there. Javon Kimball coming back off an of injury. The linebackers, Fred Warner. You got Traverius Ward. And speaking of a Ward, Jimmy Ward, I'm really excited to see him this year. He's a vastly underrated safety in my mind. I get enough credit just because he doesn't get interceptions. But to me, the defense, whew, you got a bunch of names you can look at. The rotation they got, the depth behind The only real. Um, absence they have on defense is just you know the strong safety Tala Funga, second year second year player out of USC, you know getting his first start, and then the corner spot, who knows that's up in there. But ultimately, I think they should be more than fine to handle anything that comes their way. All right,
3: so what's the biggest question for this 49ers team then? Because you seem pretty high on.
5: Yeah, I think the biggest question is it's it's really number one. It's going to have to go back to the offensive line because I I remember very vastly in twenty twenty. Now people are going to always cite that. The 49ers' 2020 you know, shortcomings was because of all the injuries. This is true. The big part of it, you know, they had the most you know money on the hook from injured reserve on salary cap. But ultimately, is that, that was the offensive line that was just completely porous. And if anything comes close to that this year, they're not going to get going because 2020, their defense was also elite as well. People forget about that because they were kind of a losing team that was pretty much forgotten because of all the injuries. Offensive line, if that just can't, if they can't be, you know, tighten up their loose ends, you know, shore up those sharp corners with a little nice little polish, then we're going to be looking at a long season. If they, I mean, how they going to block Aaron Donald? How they going to block all these other interior players? I mean, you got players. If they face the Raiders, for God's sake, they're going to take on that team. I mean, it's just going to be like figure it out. And I'm not sure if they even have an answer. They can figure it out. I mean, and if you look at the free agency pool, who's even there at this point? It's not like you can go take someone. You got Jimmy Garoppolo, pretty much holding your salary cap hostage with this contract on there. So that's pretty much my main negative, and I could see that easily being. It can. It's almost like a teeter totter. It can easily lean one way for me in terms of if that thing looks bad, then it's automatically going to snowball into a bad season. But if they sure up, it can automatically swing the other way and make them a really good season. So to me. It's that facet for them to be successful.
2: Jose, let me ask you this, man. Uh, I know we've talked a lot of offense. We talked a lot of defense, some special teams, good, bad questions. What's up with a uh, What's up with Great America, man? What's up with Great America getting ready to shut it on, shut it on down, man? What's the deal?
5: Oh man, you already know how it is in California, especially up here. So Valley. They're just selling out everything. It sucks. I mean, I love that place, man. I used to have like the gold pass and everything. I used to go on Top Gun. When it used to be called Top Gun, now it's called Flight Deck or something. But man, that's a that's a heartbreaker. I mean, it's not gonna happen for another six to eight years. So oh, okay. we have got some time, so Q if you wanna come on over. You know, we still got you on one, one little trip. But uh <laughs> man, it's it, it just it's just a heartbreaker. It definitely is a heartbreaker, but even though they're going out even though they're going out in six to eight years I still will not get on drop zone. I do not like straight falling down. That is scary to me. Call me a baby for all you want. I am not going on that thing, even if they're going to be gone soon. I'm I'm out. I'm out, son. I'm done. <laughs> no way.
2: <laughs> you know what was funny about Great America? One of my favorite things about that place wasn't the rides. One was looking at girls. I mean, that was you know that was obvious. We get the fit, and you know we had to we had to get uh you know get shining so we can go talk to females. But the other thing was, and I don't know if they still have them. Then they were doing the uh, the Hot Day South Bay where they had the concerts, the concert series there. Do they still do those? Yeah,
5: I think they do, like, a reggae type of festivals. They used to always do them. That's when it really got awesome. That's when I really got, I think that's when I really, like, started getting into that music, too. Like, you know, you're 16, going there, and I'm like, hey, like, this is really feel-good music. This is awesome. I mean, it, you just, you got all, like, you know, the Pacific Islanders there, the Samoans, the Tongans, you know, all of them, who were just right there, and it's like, man, it's like, it's like a real festival. It's, like, lively. It's awesome. I love this culture that, bring, that they bring there that you just don't really get to see too often. So uh, that's one thing for sure that they always had there. I haven't been there in about like three years, but last time I was there, you know, that's what they were doing. So hopefully they still keep that up as they're closing the chapter on, <laughs> on that place.
2: Right, no doubt about it. Well, I, I'll tell you, next time I get up there, man, I'm definitely going to have to hit you up. we have to hang out. Or next time you come out here, one of these times we'll, we'll, we'll link up. I know you've been out here a couple times, we haven't got a chance to link up, but we will. Uh, I definitely appreciate you, man. What you got coming out that we should be on the lookout for?
5: Oh, yeah, well, right now today I just released uh, what kind of chance. You know, percentage-wise, do the 49ers have at winning the NFC West? You know, mm. pretty much kind of a two-horse race to me between the Rams and the 49ers because, you know, the Seahawks, like, they're not worth mentioning. And right. then the Cardinals can they really be taken seriously. And then, you know, we just got over the weekend some nice little, you know, over-under pieces. I'm, I'm getting my Vegas on with the gambling about over-under pieces. Who's going to have that this many touchdowns? And it gets fun. It gets a nice little conversation going with the fans, a little debate.
2: There you go. I like it. Well, Jose, man, thanks for your time this afternoon. Thanks for moving up a little bit for us as well. I appreciate you. Have a great weekend. We'll catch up soon.
5: All right, man. You guys have a better weekend. Thank you.
2: All right, we'll do it. No doubt about it. Jose Sanchez right there, all 49ers SI at J Sanchez FN. And he talking about the rides of Great America, man. He's, he, man, I ain't I ain't about that life. I wasn't about, I don't think I ever got on one ride. The only time I ever got on a ride at Great America is if a girl was like, Come on, Q. I was like, All right then. You know what I mean? Like, that, that would get me on the ride. That would get me in the pool. That would get me to the beach. You know what I mean? Like, there's some things that are undefeated. And that's one of them. So you're not even scared to ride. You're just like, nah, there's more. There's than, just no reason there's for There's just more it. entertainment yeah. on the ground. Yeah, exactly. I'd rather walk and look and talk than be on the Once you're on the ride, you're stuck. You're committed to that. Right? So whoever gets you on that ride better be worth it because there's like eight or nine that just walked by that was probably worth more than standing in line with homegirl. I'm just saying, it's the, it's the number game. You're going to hear a bunch of no's. You're going to hear a bunch of no's. I'd rather get the no's out of the way to get the yeses, right? Right? It's, it's like selling Kirby's. Man, if you show three, you're going to land one. That's how I think. That's my mentality. I'm going to ask three. One's going to tell me yes. <laughs> Straight up. Let's go out to the fall lines real quick. Talk to our guy, Juan the Smasher. Welcome to the show. What's on your mind, brother? What's up, Q? What's going on? Hey, man, I'm chilling. Hey, man, I see you with
4: that with that old school player Mac game right there in America. Hey, man, Hell you yeah. already
2: know. You already know. Players got to play, <laughs> man.
4: <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> nah, but I, I'm excited, man. It's my birthday, man. I'm going to go on the fifth one. I got these raves going, and I, I'm, I'm excited for next week. Man, with this training camp on um, on Wednesday, everything just went by so quick. But I'm definitely I'm definitely excited, and I can't wait for these Raiders to, to start smashing all these cats. And you guys have a good
2: one. All right, there you go, one Smasher, short and sweet, man. Happy birthday, brother. Uh, get them ribs going, and uh, we'll see you on the, at the game on Monday, man. The uh, battle for Vegas that's going down Monday at the LV Ballpark. I know you got hooked up with your tickets. We definitely uh, look forward to looking out or you know checking out and hanging out with you as well. Two fifty five is the time when we come back. Kick it off, hour number four. It's what we do. That's what we're doing, right? Kicking off hour number four? <laughs> I'll try to remember what hour it is. It is hour number four, ain't it? That's what we're going to do. We're kicking that off coming up, and we should have Richie Incognito. We're expected to be talking to Richie Incognito. We'll do it on the, on the other side. This is Rare Nation Radio, 920.